This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Drive to deep center field. Going back, Hernandez at the track right to the wall. Gone! Elvis Andrews! And 29 other MLB clubs. Guerrero lifts one to left field and gone. Oh, Tani, that was a moonshot out there in the right center. Alonzo defends his title, the 2021 Derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe from OPS Plus to juiced balls to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, good afternoon, everybody. And boy, do we have a great show for you here today on A's Cast Live. Elvis Andrus, the shortstop for your Oakland Athletics, will be here at 105. Dave Stewart, one of the great Oakland A's and great big game pitchers in the history of the game, will be here at 130. And Dave Wills, play-by-play man for the Tampa Bay Rays, will be here at 2 o'clock as the East is very, very interesting. So we're getting you ready for game three of the four-game set between the Athletics and the Rays. And yesterday's game, well, let's face it, crazy. Absolutely crazy. Um, It just went forever. I mean, the first two innings took a very, very long time, but in the end, the Athletics would lose in 10, 9 to 8, four hours and 12 minutes. And uh, you saw some very good, you saw some very bad. There wasn't great defense, there wasn't great base running, but there was a lot of good hitting. And I think that's the thing that really for the Athletics right now, if you could say the biggest surprise so far. Uh, so far for the A's has been how well they've hit with runners in scoring position. I mean, this is, I mean, it's it's quite shocking. Cody, where'd you put the number? Why does it keep, keep floating on me? What number are you looking for? 486. Yeah, it's uh right here. Right there, there it yeah. is. All right. The A's are now hitting 486 with runners in scoring position. That's a shocker. How well they have hit. They're the second best in runs scored in the American League. I mean, I would never have thought that. That would have been one thing that you would have never, ever thought about in baseball this season in 2022 that the A's would have an offense like this. And it goes back to what we've been talking about with this team saying that they've got a lot to prove to themselves, to the baseball world, and we'll talk to Elvis about it. I mean, great thing for Elvis is getting out to a good start. You know, the big difference between getting out to that bad start, which there's going to be players that do that, and players that have the track records, 
and you get off to that bad start and you start looking up at that scoreboard every day and it's like, oh, my God, it's so hard to believe. You know, you're not hitting your weight. And everybody knows it. And then after a few games kick in, you want to erase that all with one swing and you can't do it. And what's that mentality like when you're trying to get it all back right now? But that's not going to happen. You can't you can't take your average from 160 to to 260 in a game in an at bat. But you want it to happen. That's why it's so key to always get out to that good start and good on Elvis. That's been something that's been uh, nice to see for him that he's not going to ha- have to have to do that. And then also the role of people like Elvis, and I think about Jed Lowry, who had the big three-run shot in the first inning, and I think about Stephen Vogt, who came in the game. These guys roll as veteran guys. Now, you want to think in this pivot, retooling, whatever you want to call it for the A's, that it's a bunch of young guys, but you look at this lineup. It's not a bunch of young guys. So I, I think, what what is that like from a veteran guy that you're now not mentoring a bunch of young guys because that's, that's, that's not what's happening? I mean, look at the lineup yesterday. Kemp, Elvis, Jed, Sean Murphy's 27, right? Isn't he 27? Yeah, he's not. He's in the prime of his career, but not young. 27 is considered your prime. Seth Brown, Chad Penner, McKinney's 30, Piscotti, Vote, Sheldon Noisy. I mean, Pache got in the game. He's the only young guy that got in the game. I mean, you're not dealing with a young team. So as a veteran player, how do you manage this clubhouse and uh, try and make this team as successful as possible? We have been having major technical difficulties with everything today. Just uh just to put it out there, we're having a problem with brand new iPads. One iPad isn't working. My computer, phones. It's been an absolute disaster today here on A's Cast Live. But you know what we do, Cody? We power through it. And I think we we should be good now. You should have. Yep. You should have your your the iPad that uh, we are sending it to should be up and running for you. Um, and going what about again. the other iPad? Is that working? Uh, it's still not charging, so we'll see how that goes. I don't know why. It was working just fine yesterday, and the computer is working good. So, And I just got a text from Olivia from our PR staff. Um, Elvis is going to call in a few minutes. He's just finishing up his workout. So we did see something happen today that, you know, it was interesting. I know what, how many games in our way. Dodgers played six games, I believe, including today. Clayton Kershaw, perfect game through seven innings with 13 strikeouts. Dave Roberts pulled him out with 80 pitches. Now, I just hear the tone in your voice. You sound negative about that. I I mean, it's a perfect game. I'd leave him. If it's a no-hitter, he's already done that. Well, I just – now, first of all, I would normally 100% agree with you, but I'm going to play devil's advocate. You're somebody that doesn't care about the win. You're somebody that wants to vote on not having a 200-inning starter this year. Oh, I already put that out there. There won't be. Okay, so all that is what happened today is what you're kind of into. 
just and uh, then now here you are five games into the season and you're going to be like I can't believe they took somebody out for one game one accomplishment it's really just about winning the game I mean what side of the fence are we on here the I think Jeff Passan put it best no no I want I don't want someone else well, I no, want you I, I for my thing it's history I mean we only seen 23 perfect games in the history of baseball how many no hitters have we seen he's already done it Perfect game, I don't care if it's game you one. You see where I'm going with it. Yes, but this is different. This is a historical thing. See, this is what I love. I love. There's always an outlier. Are you exa- there, there's always the, oh, I don't care about innings pitched by starters. I don't care about the win. And then all of a sudden, Dave Roberts takes a guy out from a team you don't even care about, and you're disgusted. It's just amazing when we care about certain things and when we don't. But I agree. I think Clayton Kershaw is the type of player that has been around knows his body. And you got an opportunity to throw a perfect game. You ride it till it bucks you. Exactly. And it's just, it's just, we, we, we have become a athletic society that's so into protecting that you have to wonder, it's almost like us as parents now. You know, how many times, this to me is a great example. How many times in your life did you go out and ride your bike with your buddies? This is for little boys, little girls. You you rode the bike in the neighborhood. You hang out with the neighborhood kids. And the rule was come home when the street lights are on. You'd be gone all day long. Your parents didn't know exactly where you were. They knew you are in the neighborhood. But they didn't know where you are. But the streetlights came on, came on, you came home, and you push you you would push that until like it was almost pitch dark too with the streetlights coming on. You would push that summertime, man. Nowadays, and I do it with I did it with my kids, and I'm sure a lot of you out there, if your parents, you do it with your kids. You're like, where are they at all times? And I've heard people say, well, the world's different now. Well, I mean, unless you could give me some FBI statistics saying that they're I don't, I don't know if there's more crazies now than there were back when we were growing up. Probably the ratio is probably pretty the same. But the whole point is we're now so overprotective. There is no orthopedic surgeon. Or something that we've heard a lot about since COVID started. The science. Where is the science that says if Clayton Kershaw continued today, he'd be in trouble? Where is the science? I mean, you're not going to do an MRI on his arm after this. You're not going to do any type of test. Where is the science that says if Clayton Kershaw pitched another 20, 30, 40 pitches that it would have been doom and gloom for the rest of the season? And I've had this question with uh, two different orthopedic surgeons, and their answer is, we don't have that science. We have come overprotected about everything in sports. In basketball, we're worried about minutes. So you're saying if a player was out on the floor in basketball two more minutes than he was normally, that we're now going to be in the danger zone? That if you play five more plays in an NFL game or you pitch one more in, I mean, it's ludicrous what we're doing these days. And 
The other thing that drives me nuts as an A's fan, when we talk about protecting guys, and I said this about Sonny Gray, so I'm pretty consistent on this because when's the last time Sonny Gray was here? 2017, I want to say. Long time ago. Remember what I was saying if you're a long-time listener? What did I used to say? What are we saving Sonny Gray for? Somebody else? And I was right. Why? Because you saved Sonny Gray's innings for the Yankees, the Reds, and now the Twins. Why not use him up while you got him? I, I Makes sense to me, right? Doesn't make sense to you? Like, why not use the players as much as we can while we got them if we're not keeping them long term? Why am I going to arrest a Matt Olson or a Matt Chapman? Well, you know, no, get as much out of the guy. A pitcher, if we got a pitcher and a pitcher's good, use him as many innings as you can. Now, I'm not trying to hurt a guy and overtax a guy, but I'm not going to baby him. Why? Why would I baby so he can last longer for somebody else? Clayton, how you feel? Let me ask you, Clayton, how you feel? Feel good. You think you can go another one? Yeah, I can. All right, you're back out there for the eighth. And then if you don't give up a hit, by the way, you do know if you give up a hit, I'm taking you out. I understand. Okay, so go out, pitch the eighth. You just got through the eighth, one, two, three. We're going to the ninth. Clayton, how you feel? I can go another. I mean. And we're not, we're not talking about Hunter Green here who throws 103 and he's never pitched before. I mean, I, and I'm not talking about a guy. I'm talking about a guy who's probably pitching a little bit of contact. I don't know how many Ks did he have in the game. 13. 13 strikeouts through seven innings. And he came out right now and said, blame it on the lockout. It was the right decision to take me out. So he has Dave Roberts' back, apparently. So, I mean, I guess that's good. But 13 strikeouts through seven innings, and you're facing – you know, you're not playing the Pirates or the Rocky – well, the Rockies are actually playing really well – or the Diamondbacks, who are the worst offense in baseball right now when it comes to batting average and OPS team-wise. You're facing Minnesota, who – could break their own record for home runs. They're, you know, they're expected to be a playoff team, and you're shutting them out through seven innings. And you get pulled out. Uh, I, again, you're talking about a, you know, a future Hall of Fame pitcher here. We're not talking about a guy that's making his major league debut. It's pretty ridiculous, Sean and I. I mean, it's just, it's whatever. Um, but that's that's today's. I mean, it's like, what do you, what do you? We're saving Clayton for October. You have. You have no clue what's going to happen by October. You have none. There is no, and 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 really, and really, this was this was something that I dealt with in the NBA. I was like, so you're telling me that holding a guy's minute minutes in January, you have proof. By helping a guy out in minutes in January will affect him months later? You have and the answer by a doctor was no. There is no proof that holding a guy's innings now will help him later on. There's no scientific proof about his his tendons, his muscles, his ligaments. There's nothing to say that the ligaments in the elbow will be affected, will affect you in October, what you're doing now. There's no scientific evidence. 
I'm not a fan of uh, load management, as they call it in the NBA. You've seen it a lot this year. It's kind of ridiculous the way they do it in the NBA. You don't see it. I mean, I, I someone just did a maintenance day the other day in baseball. Um, I believe was what they called it. Um, was it baseball? Maybe it was hockey. But they used it. They called it a maintenance day, and I just didn't like the terming. You're sitting a guy. I don't care if it's if it's a rest. Like the, the best example about load management this year has been Clay Thompson coming back from the two catastrophic injuries he's had. He doesn't play the front end of back to backs. Okay, fine, but. I mean, when you're sitting out him, Draymond Green, and four other guys, and you're throwing out guys from the G League to play in a game in a road city where they're playing against, you know, they're they're playing against um, a team that only sees these guys once a year. That's where I have a problem with it. With baseball, like, what what are we what are we holding Clayton Kershaw back for? We I, know where he's going to be at the end of the year. Yeah, he's been hurt a little more later in his career. He's still a Hall of Fame pitcher. It's not a guy that's making his major league debut that you're worried that he doesn't have the innings. But it's not AJ Puck. No, I'm not trying to throw AJ under the bus, but it's not AJ Puck making his first start or may, first start of the year after coming out of the bullpen, and you want to protect him. This is Clayton freaking Kershaw we're talking about. Well, and and, and to be fair, the whole thing of him being a future Hall of Famer really has nothing to do with it. I'm just saying he has the track record and the longevity. It still has nothing to do with it. What we're talking about is protecting an arm, and there's no science that says what you do now is going to affect you in October. Do you think if there wasn't a lockout, he he would have got the chance to go the whole game? Does do, do, does does his arm know if there was a lockout or not? No. Do the ligaments? And I know this is getting maybe a little, but <laughs> do, do does his muscles? His this is this is why it gets to be ridiculous. Does his ligaments? Does his muscles? Does anything in his body know that there was a lockout and a shortened spring training, even though these guys all were throwing during the lockout? Does his arm or body know that there was a lockout? No clue. Does does his arm or body have it, any idea that he is a future Hall of – just to show you how ridiculous this conversation is. Does his arm – does inside underneath his skin with the blood pumping and everything going, does it know that he is a future Hall of Famer? No. The whole thing is ridiculous, right? It's like it's like with a running back. Uh, you know, we're going to limit his carries. It's going to be under 20 because his body knows the difference. Now you can get hurt in football much easier. I get that. But does his body really know the difference between 16 carries and 21? No, and I was going to say it's what? The, the whole – the whole speak, athletic speak about protecting guys is ridiculous. By the way, I the number one thing I wanted to get into today, I've been holding back because of Elvis. Yeah, I'm still waiting. Uh, we don't have him yet. I just texted. I said if we need to push him back, um, she said he's still going right now for his workout. Um, so uh, if we have to, we can push Stu back to 145, uh, take you behind the curtain. We taped Stu about an hour ago. So we can – at least do that, but what what is the thing you wanted to get into? Because I'm sure we can get into it. We could probably talk to Elvis about it when he comes on. Yeah, it, it, it happened last night in the Giants Padres game, and I'll ask Stu about about it. And obviously, there there's a couple ways to look at unwritten rules, and one of the things that I do like about baseball and hockey is the fact that. These two sports can police themselves without having umpires and referees do it and without having commissioners and throwing down suspensions and 
the bottom line is the players can police themselves at times. They can get out of hand, and that's when you need the commissioner's office and that kind of stuff to, to, to pop in. But the whole unwritten rule thing about Team A is getting their butt handed to them. Team B has to stop playing the game because of it. Happened last night early. Giants got out to a big lead. And next thing you know, there's a stolen base. Next thing you know, there's a bunt. Next thing you know, the Padres dugout is not happy. Our old buddy Bob Melvin is caught on camera saying some choice words, all that kind of stuff. And here we are a week into the season, and we're in the unwritten rules. And for some reason, baseball developed, and we don't even know when. We don't know when baseball said, hey, listen, you, you've got to stop trying to do things when you're up X amount of runs. They don't even give you what that is, by the way. We don't, even, we don't know when the rules started. We don't know how the rules were addressed. We don't know. We don't know what the number is that says you have to stop trying. Is it 10 runs? Is it 15 runs? Is it 8 runs? When can I not steal it? And what's so odd about this is that we still have people living by these rules despite these rules are not going hand-in-hand with the way modern-day baseball goes. Because back in the day, you could have these rules of, hey, the other team was up big, kind of stopped playing 100%, because back then you didn't get paid on your numbers. Back then there wasn't free agency. Back then there wasn't arbitration. Back then they just held your rights for as long as they wanted to hold your rights. They had you as long as they wanted to have you. So that thing didn't come into play. Compared to now, it's a completely different deal. Now it is, yeah, every little thing that you do in this game is registered. Every hit, every stolen base, every run scored, every home run. And think about it. It doesn't matter when you go to arbitration. When you go to arbitration, it doesn't say, well, you had X amount of home runs, and those those home runs, well, it may say in some guys' case now that I think about it, but for the most part, they take your total of your numbers, and they and that's what you're negotiating on. So, like last night, if I'm a if I'm a giant or a padre, and I hit a home run in this game, this lopsided game, that's going to count towards my season totals. That's what I'm in. My arbitration, my free agency is going to be negotiated based off my totals. You only get so many at-bats. You only go, get so many chances to, to, to put stats on the board. And you're now telling players who get paid based off those numbers to stop trying. Now, the other team who's getting their ass kicked, they don't stop trying. They still try and claw back into this thing. 
But the team that is ahead, for some reason, there's this unwritten rule that you're supposed to stop trying. Now, whether you agree with that or not, here's one thing I think we can all agree on. It's the fans. The fans pay a lot of money to go to games. If I paid, I'm going to say $75. If I paid $75 to go to the game, I paid $30 to park, I'm now in over 100 bucks, and now food, beverages, maybe some merch, it's an expensive night. And you're telling me as a fan that by the second inning, because the Padres are getting drilled by the Giants, that I've paid X amount of 100 That's for one seat. So let's say I have two seats, four seats. I've paid a lot of money to come to this game, and you're telling me that one team is supposed to stop playing 100% and I've paid all this money? For some reason, I think that's wrong. You owe it to the fans. This is the entertainment business. You owe it to the fans that everybody keeps trying to entertain me. And your job is to entertain me for nine innings, and I don't care if the other team feels all butthurt that they're getting drilled. That's their fault, not mine. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Counselor, I'll let you have the rebuttal if, if you want. I don't disagree with anything you said. We talked about this before we came on that I, I, don't, I hate these unwritten rules arguments. And a uh, quick update, Elvis is going to call us at 145. So we can play Stu here in a few minutes and then get to Elvis on at 145. Um, I, I, I don't like these unwritten rules. I, I, like, I, I think, like, yeah, it, it's unf- it sucks that it was Bob that it was happened to last night, but the Padres also did this last year with the 3-0 Fernando Tatis play, and that happened where he swung and hit the grand slam on the 3-0 pitch. I, I'm just tired of hearing about it. Like, what other sport do we hear about unwritten rules? Like, like you mentioned earlier, um, do, do people complain when the 49ers are throwing the ball when they're up big in the third quarter or when Steph Curry's shooting threes up 20? No, no one complains. So if a guy drops on a bunt to break up a no-hitter, I don't care. You want it, you're, It's a competitive advantage. And as you said, it, it counts towards their stats towards the end of the year. That's how they get paid. So when, when Mauricio Dubon drops on a bunt up, what, nine runs – I get like why you'd be upset because you're already winning, but you're trying to get on base. Like, and Gabe Kapler spoke after the game, and he actually defended the player. I'll play it, but here's what Gabe Kapler had to say after the game about you know defending his players' uh, decisions. Stephen Duggar is still second in the second inning, up ten, and then what Mauricio Dubon did in the sixth. Uh, I fully support both of those decisions. Um, support the decision that that Duggar made. Also support the decision that Dubon made to bunt right there. And our goal is not exclusively to win one game in a series. It's to try to win the entire series. So um, sometimes that means trying to get a little bit deeper into the opposition's pen. And I understand that that's um, that many teams don't love that strategy. Um, and I get why. It's something that we talked about it as, as a club before the season and that we were comfortable going forward with that strategy. It's not to be disrespectful in any way. It's because we feel just very cool 
and strategic, it's the best way to try to, to win a series. So when I say cool, I mean like calm. It's not, we're not emotional about it. We're not trying to hurt anybody. We just want to um, score as many runs as possible, force the other pitcher to throw as many pitches as possible. And if other clubs decide that they want to do th- the same thing to us, we're not going to have any issue with it. Mm-hmm. It's a great job, you know, way to try to get a base hit. Oh, absolutely not. Full one, 100% support. The, the pitchers are trying to get Mauricio out. Mauricio's trying to get on base. The, the goal of baseball is to, is to not make an out. I agree with everything Kapler said there. Kind of sounded like the adult in the room. Yeah, I mean – you know, remember the thing about him, Philadelphia, and all that stuff about how he wasn't ready to manage. And all that? I mean, he's he says all the right things, and I'm not trying to tout the Giants and Gabe Kapler, but he is a friend of ours. We we know him pretty well. Uh, well, I say well, we talked to him once, but we know him pretty well. And he, right there, he said he said I fully supported what he did. I mean, that's where last year when Fernando Tatis swung, uh, Jace Tingler didn't have his back essentially. And it's like you want your manager to have your back, and that's exactly what Gabe Kapler did. Now, Mauricio Dubon spoke after the game, too, and he kept saying how he wasn't trying to disrespect anyone. And he mentioned it like nine times. He kept saying, I'm not trying to disrespect anyone. I was just trying to get on base. Yeah. And I get it. Like, I, and I get it. And then you saw, you know, there's a, you know, a bunch of different instances happen, which, you know, congratulations to Alyssa Nakanen to be the first female to manage on the field or to be a coach on the field. That was great for the Giants last night. But I feel like it kind of is getting overshadowed by all this unwritten rules thing. Totally. And, you know, one of the things – that I thought that was great about that was that Eric Hosmer went over, shook her hand, said congratulations. And the fact that there wasn't a huge deal made about it, I think kind of shows you progress of where we are, where it was like, that's really a nice thing. It should be happening. Right. And we're going to see a lot more. There is no question about it. But, yeah, that's that's the biggest point here is that this stupid unwritten rule thing took down history. Because controversy will always take down what's right, what's good. I mean, having a female coach on the field for the first time during a Major League Baseball game should have been the number one story out of that game. Not that a guy stole a base up 10-1. Not that a guy dropped down a bunt for a base hit. It should have been that a female in uniform coaching as a father of daughters, that to me, history was made and history was not given its due because of something that's not written down. Like, there's a reason why laws are written down and they got to be voted on and they got to be passed because they're written down, they're written into law. I mean, just that was just the the more you think about it, the more ridiculous yesterday that whole thing was. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We now want to play Dave Stewart. Yeah, because we'll have enough time to get to Elvis after. So, 
All righty. Earlier today, we caught up with one of the greatest A's of all time, Dave Stewart. Well, now joining us here on A's Cast Live, he's an absolute A's legend. When you think about a three-time World Series champion, an all-star World Series MVP, multiple-time ALCS MVP, uh, AL win leader in 87, uh, you name it, Roberto Clemente Award. He's done everything in his career as an agent, as a GM, and he's in the Athletics Hall of Fame. The great Dave Stewart with us once again. Stu, how are you? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Thanks for having me on. Well, I had to make sure I took care of you yesterday in my NBC hit because Brody's not giving you enough love. Man, Brody's a tough customer, man. (laughs) I'm going to have to get a new host. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I wanted to ask you because today uh, something happened that, you know, it's very tricky, especially in – Modern-day baseball, we're worried about innings pitched. I mean, we can go back to when you were a pitching coach here on this one. Clayton Kershaw, through seven, had a perfect game going today, and they took him out. I understand short and spring training. We're worried about innings pitched and everything. But uh, how would you feel as a pitching coach, and then how would you feel as a pitcher if you had a perfect game, opening day or not, and you're taken out? It's crazy. You know, Sean and I had the same thing about a week ago uh, uh, where he was throwing a, not a perfect game, but a, a no hitter. Uh, and he left the game with 88 pitches. I believe that Kershaw left the game today with 80 pitches. You know, it's uh, with Kershaw, you have to be careful. Um, you know, he's got, uh, he's got injuries over the last few years and he's an important part of that rotation. And to keep him healthy is the most important thing. I mean, it, it, it outweighs, you know, throwing an opening day perfect game, quite frankly, to have him available for 30 starts this season um, will put them in a good position to be in a playoff run. So today, if you have to take him out of a game, uh, perfect game or not, and it, and it assures you or gives you a better chance that you're going to get another 29 starts out of him, then you have to do that. It's just, it's hard to believe that we're in an era where you're just not going to see guys throwing 200 innings. How do you feel about that? You know, you know, 30 something starts, 200 innings was the norm. Some people believe we won't even have one guy this year throw 200 innings. Well, when you say 200, I mean, even that short in my period of time, we were closer to the 230, 250. Um, I think even I had a, a, couple of years at 275 and 280 um and yeah i mean we're just in a different period of time uh where it's just not required for guys to pitch you know more than five or six innings of start and and that's just the period of time that we're in the game has changed um and it's it's you know i can't say it's for the better or it's for the worse the, the best way to put it is this is the period of time that we're in. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, things are changing. And that means more bullpen arms. It more it means more bullpen usage. you got to get way more outs by your bullpen. How important is it now that the manager and the pitching coach have their finger truly on the pulse of their bullpen because of so many guys coming out of that bullpen? Well, well, you definitely need to know who's healthy and who's not. I mean, you need to know who your performers are in a, in a, in a positive role and in a negative role, without a doubt. Um, 
you know, there, there are teams now that are, are going with uh, nine relievers. Um, and some may do that for the duration of the year. Um, some may only do it uh, until, you know, we get a couple of months in this year. But, you know, I, I came from an era where you had five stars, you had five relievers, and the rest of your players were position players and, and outfielders. So, um, you, you know, once again, we're, we're just in a different period of time. So when you look at your bullpen right now and you got all these different guys, what do you think the truly the advantage is now where you do have the ability to throw a bunch of different looks at these hitters at the later parts of the game? Well, I mean, you know, it, it serves actually to have that many arms in your pen serves a couple of purposes. You know, we're, we're in a period of time where we see an opener. And so sometimes your reliever starts a game, only pitches one inning, and you get four or five different arms out of your bullpen for that day. Um, when you come come into a game now, you know, last night uh, the, the Giants game, and I don't want to speak about the Giants game, but, you know, the Padres used a lot of arms in that game last night, as did the, the Tampa Rays. Uh, against uh, the A's a couple of days ago in that 13-run game, we got to a point where he had a position player. So depending on the game situation, uh, to have different looks, I do think that because you now have to bring a pitcher in and they have to face three batters, you know, it, it kind of takes away the, the matchup look, uh, which I can appreciate that as well. But, you know, have different looks down there, different velocities, to have sidewinders, submariners, the, the guys that are throwing 95, 96 mile an hour plus, and then to have your, your slider ball guys come out there like Romo, um, it, it gives you, it could give you an advantage. What do you think is the key for a new manager like Mark Kotze to run his ball club, be the guy that in, is in charge? When you see a new manager, what's the, the, the number one key you look for? Well, I look for the keys of the, I look for the qualities of the best managers that I've ever played for. I mean, there are three. It's Cito Gaston, Tony La Russa, and Tommy Lasorda. And the one thing, the one that, the one characteristic that they all had in common is the ability to communicate with their players, to gain the trust of their players, I mean, to motivate their players um, to, to play the game. If you can communicate with your players, um, it, it allows you the opportunity to know what they need. Uh, I don't think of, uh, enough managers in the game ask their players, what do you need to be successful? Um, those three guys did a great job of that. And then not only did they do a good job of asking the player, communicating with the player, but they also did a good job of following through. And when you can do that, that gains the trust of the player and that makes the player play better for you as a manager. How much, let's just say, in a given year, would you communicate with Tony Larusa? We talked every day. We talked every day. We talked whether I was starting or not. We talked every day. Uh, he would find a minute or two during the course of batting practice or in the clubhouse, whatever the case may be, to have communication, not with just me, but with each and every player on his team. That's amazing. And I know Bob Melvin has mentioned that. I mean, what does that do for you as a player when you know that this man every day is coming to you and asking you about life, your family? Uh, just what does that mean to you as a player? 
Well, once again, it, it, it instills trust in the manager. It, 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 it puts you in a position to be comfortable with him, to relax with him. And when you're comfortable and you relax, you play your best baseball. Well, it's uh, definitely a communication is such a big part of our, our business, no question. Uh, let's end on this. For you and TV, you know, we've talked so much about your career and everything that you've done, player, uh, as an agent, a, as a general manager. How do you put TV into that long resume? How much fun are you having doing that? I'm having a great time. It, it's a, it's another dimension to to the things that I've I've done in my my life and in my career, um, it, it, it's it's so much fun to to sit back and talk about the game. I mean, this the baseball has been my life. I'm 45 years in in the game, and and so to sit down and talk about a team that I am passionate about, and to be able to express to the fans what I see in a baseball game to have them understand through my eyes what took place with a certain play or, or, or in a certain at bat or what a pitcher's mentality was or why a guy was successful or why he wasn't successful um, is it, such a great opportunity for me. And is there something about, and, and one more, is there something about a, a team like this a lot of guys have a, a chip on their shoulder. A lot of people give them no chance, and, and they're going out there and they're busting their you-know-what every day. They're giving you everything they got. Is there something about what you see, this uh, land of misfit toys, I guess you could say, the, the way they play hard for 27 outs? Is there something that you love about watching that so far? Well, for me, it, it, when you can see that these guys are, are playing hard, and when you can see that they have the ability to come back in a baseball game at any time, um, for me, it's a heads up for the rest of the league to understand that, yeah, they've made some changes. Yeah, they've gotten a, they've they've let a couple of their quality starters get away. They've let a couple of their quality infielders get away. But these guys are not dead. Um, to me, that's exciting, and I and I love talking about that. And and more importantly expressing to the fans that you still have you still have a, a, a quality product to go out and watch you have a quality product to get behind and these guys are just like the Chapmans and the Olsons when they were younger you, you you're just going to have to re you're going to have to reroute yourself I guess and, and, and put yourself behind these guys and watch them grow and watch the excitement that they bring to the baseball field. Well, I'll just tell you, for the pregame today, my hit is going to be about unwritten rules. I can't believe we're already talking about unwritten rules, and we're not even a, a week into this thing. I know we're all old school, and we believe in the unwritten rules, but at some point for the fans, you know, the thing is, Stu, fans don't care about the unwritten rules. They just, they're paying a lot of money. They want to see guys play hard throughout the game, no matter what the score is. It's kind of a tough call, old school versus new school. That's true, but you know the rules of the game still remain the rules of the game. The, the problem is, if if you consider the problem is once again we're in a new era of baseball. We're in a baseball where a guy hits a long run, home run. He stands at home plate and he watches it. He flips the bat and he takes forever to run around the bases. That's not the brand of baseball that was created by Babe Ruth and Willie Mays and Hank Aaron and Roger Maris and Pete Rose. The, the true heroes of the games, the guys that played the game right. Um, and so 
you know, we just have to adjust. As uh, my martial arts teacher used to tell me, when the wind is blowing hard, and and the wave is 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 above your above your ship, are you going to continue to go at that wave, or are you going to adjust your sail? And so we're in a period of time now where we have to adjust our sails. Stu, you are the best. Have a great broadcast today, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for having me. The great Dave Stewart. You know, next time we have him on, we got to get more into his martial arts background and how that helped him as a player. Because I think there's no question um, what that did for him and what it could do for a lot of our listeners out there who are, we got a lot of young kids that are, that are, want to be baseball players, want to be very accomplished in a lot of other things. Um, And the focus and what that does for you with schoolwork, athletics, you name it. And obviously it helped Stu a lot, change his career, turned him into one of the greats. Now what are we are we waiting on Elvis? Yeah, he's supposed to call us in like two minutes, so we're we're gonna have him. We can ask him about the unwritten rules. No, no doubt. He's a he's a veteran in this game. It's not like he's a guy that's make his major league debut. You know, I, I believe Adam Aller was the eleventh uh, rookie to, to play for the A's now, already. Or he's like I think we had ten rookies already play or be on the roster, and now Aller's now the eleventh guy. That's something I saw yesterday. But uh, what's funny is he's twenty seven years old. Yeah, also true. You know what I mean? I mean, that's the thing. It's like it's it's usually in these scenarios where you have a lot of new guys, you're going to be talking about players that are super young. We're going young. We're going to go with the young guys. The A's aren't young. Unfortunately, I mean, I almost kind of wish they were and and would go that route. But the A's are not a young team. They were, you know, people even thought about it last year. Like, well, you know, this young group, they were not a young group. They were an old group. They were literally the oldest. They had the oldest. Weren't they the oldest team? Position player-wise, yes. Yeah, no question about it. We do have Elvis on the line. Elvis, how are you? Chris Towns with the Oakland A's. How you doing, brother? Good, good, good to be here. Yeah, no, it's great to talk to you. We we were briefly at spring training. We weren't able to hook up, but uh, it's great to finally have you on again. And, and I got to think for yourself in year two with the athletics. Just talk about the difference. Last year you got off to a slow start. This year you've gotten out to a hot start. Just how much better from year to year has this start been for you? Uh, it's been big, man. I think that last year, you know, I was still dealing with a lot of, a lot of uh, off-field, uh, you know, injuries in my back and all that. But you know, and just being in a different place than you know than Texas, I think it, you know it took me a little bit to actually get comfortable and, and get used to. But you know, this year is different. You know, uh, I know how it is, and you know, I was it was really it was really easier for me to just you know come and prepare myself and be ready to play. 
you know, one thing that uh, w- w- a lot of change, people were wondering, how is this team going to score runs? Elvis, you're second in baseball in runs scored, 32 runs in just five games. Just talk about what you've seen so far from this offense. Uh, you know, I, I'm expecting that and, and more for sure. Uh, you know, I know the, you know, the, the analytic and all those baseball people, uh, you know, they're not sending no love to Oakland, but we know as a team, we know we still have a great group here. We have a lot of young guys that are about to, you know, put their name in the map. And, you know, that, that's the way I see it. You know, I have a lot of talks with a lot of guys that, I know they're going to, you know, a lot of people after this year will know them. And then they're really excited. You know, the whole team is excited. All those guys are getting new opportunities in their career, are, are ready for the challenge. And, 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 you know, I believe that we're going to score, man. We, we don't know sometimes how, but we're going to find a way to score and, and, and you know, keeping our game and keeping our approaches. I'm so glad you brought that up because it's one of the things I wanted to get into with you when you talk about being a veteran like yourself in this clubhouse that really is not a bunch of young guys. I mean, you're, you're not a young team. You got a lot of guys who are trying to prove themselves when you got a bunch of the media and the national media. They're not giving you guys a chance whatsoever. So obviously what you're saying is you've had these conversations with these guys. You can't listen to the outside noise. The only thing that matters is the belief inside that clubhouse. So kind of take us in that clubhouse and give us a, a, some examples of how you've talked about these guys about, hey, this group can win. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, it's, it's, you know, this is not the first time I'm, I'm going into, you know, a rebuilding team, you know. Uh, I did a few times in Texas. And like I said, like you guys are mentioned, uh, you know, everybody's one year away to be somebody in the game, you know? So that, that was one of the things that I try to, you know, uh, refresh to the guys, uh, you know, believe in themselves, you know, just, just go out there and keep playing. I mean, there's a lot of guys in this team that have success, you know, whether it's minor league, whether it's a little bit last year. So, you know, for me, I was like, let's just, let's just make that, you know, 162 games instead of a month, instead of a week. And having that mindset, you know, I think that everybody's doing their job on, on, you know, don't don't let anything, you know, from the outside get inside a clubhouse. Uh, stick to our game, stick to our plan, and go day by day. I think that's, you know, for me, that's one of the hardest things when I was younger. And, you know, that's one of the things that I always want to remind the guy, you know, don't don't try to see the big picture. Don't try to, you know, be, you know, go think what, what is going to happen in the future. Just go, let's go day by day. Let, let's, let's have fun every single day out there. Uh, let's compete, and, and, you know, we do that. There's a lot of talent in here. They will take care of the rest. You know, some days you wake up, you feel great. Some days you wake up, you don't feel great. Some days you got issues at home. You know, for some players, you got kids, you got all this stuff going on in life. But the number one thing is, and there's just something about it, Elvis, I don't know how you put your finger on it, but it's just that belief. If you believe in yourself – if you have confidence, no matter what the outside stuff's going on, when you step between those lines, you can be successful. What is that life in you? What's it? What's that been like in your career? No matter what's going on, as long as Elvis believes, that's all that matters. Yeah, I think that's something that you know that has been kind of easy to rely on the guys, uh, and that's something that you know I think that's the beauty of baseball. Uh, you know, I've been I've been blessed to. You know, I've been having a lot of ups and a lot of downs in this game. And, and 
and that is something that I always try to, you know, help all the young guys that, you know, they have, you know, they're kind of uncertain on those things because uh, they haven't had the opportunity to play in this level. And, and that is something that I always want to help, you know, where, like you guys said, uh, you never know what's going to happen in this game. Uh, today you're here, you don't know where you're going to be tomorrow. But for me, you know, believing in myself, that's something that will never go down. Uh, I mean, I was a, a true example of that last year, you know, they, they where I started the season for the first month and a half. And, and the guys saw it, you know, they, they were able to, you know, to see me going about it. And, and you know, sometimes they make jokes, like, hey, how do you, you know, how can you stay so calm, man? Like, you know, having the year that you have. And I was like, you know what, like, that's baseball is going to happen. You know, when you have a long career, you're going to have those months, you're going to have those years, but you have to be able to, keep believing in yourself, whether, you know, things are not going the way you want it. And for me, last year wasn't such a huge year because I was able to uh, learn a lot of things about myself. And at the same time, you know, just, just trying to help and, and showing that, you know, even when things are not going your way, you have to keep pushing. You have to keep finding the way to finding, you know, the love and the passion that you have for this game. And, you know, as soon as I did that last year, everything, you know, I start turning, you know, on my way. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't happen towards the end when I broke my leg. But, you know, I was able to show them that, you know, it's 162 games and whether you don't have a first good half or, or a first good month, you still, you know, there's a lot of baseball left, a lot of, a lot of things you can do uh, positive for the team. That play was really amazing from the standpoint of the way you got hurt, we know the pain you must have been in. I don't know, maybe you were in shock. But the fact that you were still all about scoring the run, just take us back and what was that like? Uh, it was crazy. Man. I don't really like to go back to that moment because it gives oh, me I I that goosebumps again. <laughs> but uh, that, that's how I am, man. And the guys that, that play with me or been around me know know how I play the game. I only know one way to play and, and it's, and it's, you know, is to win. And, uh, the matter if, you know, a, a bone broke, the matter if I don't feel good, like it's all about, you know, do your part to win that game, you know, to make it happen. And, and I mean, for sure, the adrenaline helped me out because, you know, as soon as he broke, that was a huge pain. And I don't, I have no idea how I actually did like the next five to six steps. Uh, and I'm so blessed that, you know, besides our bond, you know, nothing else uh, broke or twist. You know, that's one of the things the doctor was really shocked to. But, you know, that's, that's, that's the way I play, man. And, and, and I know, you know, everybody, you know, in the organization have my back. And, and, and that's, you know, one of the reasons, you know, even when you break something, you keep going. You know, that's, that's the best example you can give to all the young guys and, and people that are watching the game, you know, no matter how life is. Is, you know, is doing. You you still have to push it through because, you know, that's you know that's what we're here. You know, we're here to inspire. We're here to 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 have fun and to push it through and then to show people. You know that sometimes even when things are not perfect, you still can, you know, find a way to to make it happen. Well, yeah, because right now you and D Gordon are the active leaders in baseball and stolen bases. So you got to keep your wheels intact and keep this thing going. I mean, you. You're at a point in your career where we're looking at the the very top of stolen bases, and you're right there. 
Yeah, no, that's something that believe me. That's something that uh, I'm very aware. Uh, it's been a few opportunities that I'm trying to steal, and, and unfortunately, it's been you know a couple of swings and fouls because uh, I yeah, I did have those two bases for sure. But you know, I mean, I, I mean, I've been I've been doing this for for a little bit, and you know, that's one of the things that I try not to do. You know, don't don't panic or don't force it. I know I'm gonna have plenty of opportunities to steal bases and and. You know, keep getting more bases to to my uh, to my record, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's something that I have passion for. I love being an aggressive base running, and you know, I just can't wait. Probably today, today might be the first my first selling bases of 2022. Well, how about this? We talked to you when you first came over to the A's. How you changed your workout regimen in the off season last year. And just the way you lift and the way you stretch and the way you go about preparing your body, how has that changed in off-season workouts, and especially with all the rehab you had to do? How much has that helped you going into this year? Well, it did help me a lot because last year, you know, unfortunately because of my back, I, I wasn't able to lift any weight. I pretty much did just, you know, body weight. And, and that was one of the things that, that I knew, you know, going into the season, I didn't like it because I feel, I feel great. I feel fast, but like, I didn't have, like, I didn't feel explosiveness and, and power from my legs. Uh, and I knew that was going to give me, you know, a little toll towards the end. Uh, but this year, you know, this off season, I was able to go back, you know, to, to lifting weights, to, you know, picking those heavy dumbbells to, you know, to get my, you know, grab my bat and, and feel it really light. And, you know, you can see that pretty much this spring training, you know, like my bat speed, you know, is back to where it was. And, and, and I think, you know, I was able to just get a good plan. I uh, still taking care of my bag, but being able to, you know, just get back and feel strong in the play, feel strong, you know, from the ground up. And, and you know, I feel really good right now. Uh, and, you know, like I say, it's been a good start. It's only been five, six games, but, you know, I really have, you know, my body and my mind in the right spot, and I just can't wait to keep pushing. You know, when I think about Tony Kemp getting this opportunity to play every day and to prove that he is an everyday player, how much are you helping him out at second base to help him achieve that goal of being an everyday guy? Yeah, I think that, you know, it's not too far away. I mean, for, you know, he, he came to the league in – you know, he was in a team that was really good. And it's always tough when you come in, you know, to an organization that he's already set. And, and, you know, he's a second base guy. And, I mean, in Houston, they got Altuve. Pretty hard to play before him, you know. But yeah. I mean, he, knew that deep, he knew that deep down he got the qualities, he got the talent to be an everyday player. And, you know, I really – he was one of the guys that, you know, I feel so, so happy because we have a lot of, you know, long conversation last year about – me just reinforcing, you know, dude, you're a really great baseball player. Like, you can play every day, and you got to believe it. Like, as soon as you believe it, you know, things are going to happen. So, I feel like last year he made – and, I mean, he did all the job, you know. I think as, as teammates, we just here to, you know, say a encouragement word, a wisdom, you know, word, and then they still are the ones doing the whole load. So, you know, I really, you know, really happy for him because what he did last year – wasn't easy playing multiple positions and just being, you know, on a base force. And, and, and he knows that. And, you know, this year, especially spring training, it was more of like just helping him, you know, to get that mentality of the everyday play. 
instead of just playing once in a while. But, you know, he's ready for the challenge. He, he's been waiting this opportunity his whole career, and I think he's going to do fantastic. You know, Elvis, it's hard to believe, but I remember when you were a hot shot kid and you were coming up and everybody's <laughs> like, oh, look out, this kid's coming up from the Texas Rangers. He's going to be this star player. You now have that with Pache. Uh, you understand what he's going through as a young player. We're checking out every single at-bat. We're wondering if he's going to be – I mean, he's getting compared to Andrew Jones, for God's sakes, and Andrew Jones, in my opinion, should be in the Baseball Hall of Fame, one of the great center fielders that uh, we've ever seen in the history of the game. Have you been able to talk much to him? Because you, you, you know what it's like to come up being, being a uh, top prospect. Yeah, for sure. You know, but Pache is – like you say, such a unique talent. Uh, you don't see those talents, you know, coming often to the big leagues. So, you know, I, I, yeah, I've been talking to him a lot. I can relate to what he's been, you know, dealing on his career. And, like, you know, he has all the talent, but he needs to just put it together pretty much, which is the hardest thing to do in the big league. Uh, but, I mean, he, he loves the world. He comes to the ballpark every day, wanting to learn, asking a lot of questions. And, when you're young, that's the best you can do, you know, trying to get the most information and the most experience you can get from older guys. And, you know, at the end, he's going to go out there and perform and keep learning about himself. Because uh, I don't think he has no idea how talented he is <laughs> right now and he will be in the future. But, you know, so just an amazing talent. And, you know, I just, as long as I can keep helping and, and you know, uh, do a little, you know, a little bit of my, talk, pack talk to, to get him to the player that we know he's going to become. Uh, I'm just so excited to see that a ball for sure. Let, let's end on this. You've played for a lot of managers. Uh, I'm sure you have a different opinion on every single one, some good, some bad. Uh, you always like to hope that uh, your new manager is going to have a lot of the great qualities of the past ones that you really like. So far, what have you seen in Mark Kotze? Uh, so far, so good, man. I mean, like I said, it's too early. And, like, you know, we have a great relationship with Mark. Uh, you know, we always play around, uh, saying that I probably play with, like, 80% of the managers in the big league right now. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, no, I mean, Kotze has all the qualities to be an amazing manager. Man. He, he can relate to each guy in the team. Uh, he's done it. He's been through it. So he he knows that side. He understand. He knows how to get to your to your brain and how to know you know how you're feeling in, in those moments. So I think that's huge, especially for the young guys being able to have a manager that been there and done it. Uh, and I think you know the more he manage, you know, the more experience he's gonna get. We, I understand, and, and he's not my first time manager, so I know that he's gonna make mistakes. But I mean, we're all human beings, and. And we know how much he care, how much passion he got for this organization. And, and you know, he spreads that every single day. And, and I love, I love people with passion, especially our manager, because I think, you know, they, they're the one that set the tone for the team. And, you know, the way they go uh, every single day, they just make it easy. You know, it's like all that energy get transferred to the team. But, I mean, so far it's been really good. He communicates perfect. Uh, he's trying to, you know, make everybody be part of the team to – to, you know, keep everybody in their toes. Uh, I mean, so far, like I said, so far, so good. I don't like to talk too much about the manager because, you know, I don't want to say something and they're going the opposite way. But, I mean, so far, man, I mean, the whole the whole team is very happy with him and 
you know, we are wishing nothing but the best for sure. Well, I got to tell you, every single day that I fill out my scorebook and I got your name there in shortstop makes me feel good. that you, You're there every single day, Steady Eddie, and we love that. And we always really appreciate your time on this program. Be well the rest of this road trip, and we'll see you back for the home opener in Oakland. For sure, man. Have a great day. Thank you for having me. Take care, Elvis. Elvis Andrus, your shortstop for the Oakland Athletics. Every day. Every day. It's quite impressive. Now you think about that injury, how horrific that was. God, that was so tough to watch. And, you know, good thing about broken bones, you know, never good, but the good thing about broken bones is that they heal. And that's a whole different when you're talking about ligaments and all that kind of stuff. I mean, and the fact that uh, he's playing every day again, and can be that mentor to Pache and other players. But, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, you, you, you look at the A's roster, the A's only have two guys that are 25 and younger. Everybody else, uh, not, not young. Uh, let's, hear, let's hear from our guy. We got, we got Dave on the line. Dave, it's been a while. How are you down in Tampa? We're doing pretty good. Thanks for having me, and uh, good to talk to you guys again. Yeah, no doubt. It's always fun when uh, the Athletics and, and the Rays get it going, and obviously high expectations again down there. I know I say Tampa, St. Petersburg, just uh, everything that's gone on with this franchise over the past few years has been a lot of fun to watch. And just talk about, once again, the East is not going to be easy, but the expectations are for the Rays to be the best team in the East. Well, I mean, you know, this team's coming off a 100-win season, Last year uh, wins the AL East for the second straight year, albeit, you know, in 2020 was the abbreviated uh, campaign. But uh, you, you look at our roster and you're looking at guys that are a year older and hopefully a year better, too. And uh, it starts with, obviously, Wander Franco, who's off to a really, really good start. But, you know, Andy and I were talking about this uh, during spring training a couple of times. And you know, with our hitting coach, Chad Matola, you know, the, the narrative about the Rays for the last several years is always about pitching and defense, run prevention. And, uh, you know, it's going to be more of the same again this year. But for the last couple of years, our offense isn't taking a back seat to it. Last year, the Rays were the second-best offense runs uh, per game-wise in the American League. And this year, they're off to a pretty good start as well. And we look at our roster, and I say, all right, well, of the group from 2021 that uh, helped win a division, how many guys still can get better? And almost to a man, you sit there and you say, all of them. I mean, Brandon Lau, yes, he hit 39 home runs and had 99 runs batted in. But he, you know, really struggled the first two and a half months of the season. T-Man Choi was never really healthy. Yandy Diaz had some very, very quiet moments. Uh, you know, Austin Meadows did have over 100 runs batted in. He has moved on to the uh, Detroit Tigers. But we slid in uh, Josh Lowe. And, you know, I'm just looking at our, our, our lineup. And, you know, again, over 30 home runs for our catcher, Mike Zanino. And then you got KK and Manuel Margot had a big hit yesterday. So, I look at our offense, and I think our offense is, you know, it's not going to get the headlines that the Blue Jays or the Yankees, the Red Sox, or some of the teams are going to get, but it's a very, very formidable, if not above-average offense that can help this team win a lot of games. Yeah, you mentioned names that move on, and you can look at it over the years, and it's, I guess the thing that you just have so much respect is the names can move on, but the guys that replace those names – the Rays just don't miss a beat. I mean, are there ever times where you sit back and go, man, how do they keep replacing these people and how do they keep doing it? 
Well, I mean, it, it's been a great run. It's you know, last, I, I've always been told there'd be no math in this uh, sport. That's why I did play by play. I didn't have to worry about thank you uh, a squared <laughs> plus b squared equals c squared and all that other stuff. But uh, you know, when you when you look at the Rays of last year, they used almost sixty players and almost forty pitchers if you count the positional guys. Now I know sixty plus forty equals a hundred, but sixty players plus forty pitchers being used usually doesn't equal a hundred victories in a season. And yet the Rays were able to do that because of their overall organizational depth. So, um, you know, there, there's still some guys down there being tested right now pitching-wise because we've had a couple of guys go down with injuries from spring training to now here the last few days during the regular season. And uh, we've got some guys that uh, are, are being uh, asked to maybe do a little more a little sooner than we wanted them to. So it's definitely going to be tested. But if there's an organization that's up for it because of the depth, it's the Tampa Bay Rays. And, you know, that's, that's – Kudos to Eric Neander. Whenever we make a move and people start to come to me and ask me, why did we do something? My, my, my basic answer, answer is, and Eric Neander, I trust. I mean, and he's got a great staff around him uh, from the, uh, the pro scouts that help finagle some of these uh, trades with other teams to our amateur scouting, which I think has been much improved over the last few years. So uh, the, the front office really deserves a lot of this. And then, Give credit to Kevin Cash, the race manager, who was able to kind of mold these guys all together and uh, put together a, a really, really good team. Where I know we're spending the more we're spending more money than I think our organization has ever had this year. We're up close to eighty million dollars, but it still pales in comparison from what the guys, uh, the, the top three teams, are paying within yeah. this division. And we're expected to hang with them. You know, I think about all the bad cliches that we have in our sport, and for years we, you hear people say, "Hey." You know, it's all about the strength of your 25-man roster and blah, 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 blah. Wouldn't you say the Rays have truly shown us that it is the strength of your 40-man roster that really matters? 40, 45, 50, I mean, whatever the case may be. I mean, you know, that's one of the things that the Rays, I think, do well is that they are out there trying to identify people throughout the season that may not, you know, the, the square peg that doesn't fit in a round hole for somebody else that might be able to come here and help us out. I, I, I'm blanking out a few pitchers' names last year, but we were picking guys off the, uh, uh, you know, cut list of the Baltimore Orioles and bringing them here, and they were getting guys out against the Yankees and against the Blue Jays and against the Orioles. And the Orioles, people would come in and go, what in the world did you do to that guy? I mean, and I, I think, again, a lot of it has to do with the front office and then the message and the uh, messaging that we give them when they do get here from all the metrics that we have is to focus on what you do well Let's not worry about trying to be better at what you don't do well at. Let's let's focus on what you do well, and then you go from there. And uh, I think that's one of the reasons why when we do get guys off the scrap heap from other teams and they come here, uh, some of them have a tendency to be a little bit better than they were with other organizations. And, I, again, is there a magic sauce? I know everybody talks about that. Uh, I don't think so. I think it's in the messaging that uh, our front office delivers to the coaches and that our coaches deliver to the players. And there's something to be said about – knowing that you're always going to be put in the right situation to succeed. Because if you succeed as a player, that means dollar signs. That means staying in the league longer, making more money. When you talk about that messaging, what do you think that means when you tell players, listen, every single time we put you out there, here is the data that shows this is the best possible way to get you on the field for you to do well and succeed. Well, I think the Rays, you know, reputation precedes itself. I think, uh, you know, whenever Andy and I talk to a player after a game or even when we see him down on the field, uh, and Neil Solon's our pregame and postgame host when he does interviews with these guys, 
the, the thing they always talk about is, well, this is what I heard about the Rays. And the reason why I'm here is because they do this or they did this. And I saw them do this with so-and-so player, and I feel like they can do the same thing with me. So our reputation in turning some careers around and, uh, you know, allowing them to go to the bank and make some more money, uh, like I said, precedes itself. So if you're a pitcher, especially it seems, that uh, you feel like, you know what, I- I've got the stuff to get guys out, but for whatever reason, things aren't clinking. It seems like they come here to Tampa Bay to get fixed and to, to get right and to move on in the proper direction. So that's, uh, again, that's a testament to the player. I mean, the player has to do it first and foremost, but I think it's really what we do as far as the messaging. I mean, uh, I'm all about keeping it simple, stupid, and I'm not saying that that's what we do with the players, but the main focal point, as I said before, is about what they do good. If, you, if you're a fastball uh, your fastball is the best pitch, and your slider is number two, and then your changeup is number three. And, and with the other teams, you've been throwing that 33% of the time just to split down the middle. We're going to tell you, focus on your fastball, and then mix in your curveball, and on occasion, throw your changeup. I mean, Matt Whistler came here, and we heard stories about him being a 90% slider guy. And I thought, well, we're going to change that. We're going to probably have him throw less sliders and more fastball. No, we, we're telling him, go ahead and throw those sliders, but manipulate it a little different. And, you know, throw it to different sides of the plate a little more often. Go, you know, maybe change the bend to it a bit. And it's worked for him. And uh, we've seen it work with a lot of other pitchers, too. I'm so with you on the math deal. I absolutely hate math. And, I, and I've been reading this book about metrics in baseball. And if you look at what it takes to create runs created and then weighted runs created plus, I'm like, I hate math. I don't just tell me what what's good and what's bad. I don't want to know how you came up with it. I don't want to know how you calculate it. I'm with you. I hate math. That's why I got into broadcasting. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, all that stuff. Uh, My wife asked me the other day, you know, what does uh, war mean? And, you know, wins above replacement. She told me to just start to explain it. And, I, I, uh, you know, so it was, you know, I, like I said, when I got into high school and somehow, some way, I was promoted right away to advanced algebra. I, I don't know how I did it. I never took an algebra class in my life. And then they started adding letters and guys, small numbers and all this other stuff. And I'm thinking, this is nuts. I, I just want to talk and write for a living. So, uh, yeah, yeah. if I had to take a test and figure out how to do weighted runs created and war and all that <laughs> other stuff in order to be a broadcaster, I'd be in big big trouble uh you know i just try to you know we just try to tell people what's happening down on the field and i let the the, the metrics guys the guys with who are a heck of a lot smarter than me figure out those numbers and pass those on to the coaches i mean i've even asked cal snyder a couple times about some of the numbers i've read maybe in the athletic and uh you know he said he said he's had to learn a lot more algebra as a coach than he ever did as a student or as a player but these guys uh you know they, they get the messaging across and make it simple enough so that even dummies like me uh, can figure out uh, how to broadcast and talk about it. Yeah, for God's sakes, I would have got an engineering or a business degree if I knew I was going to have to do a bunch of numbers. So uh, uh, hopefully they will keep it simple for all of us. You know, uh, th- this Franco kid, uh, Juan Franco, he's pretty good. Uh, it's interesting watching him. You know, we get to see a lot of highlights, getting to see him in a series like this. He's just so young, so talented. Do you have a comparison for us? All the years you've been in broadcasting, who you who who you would compare him to? Well, you know, we, we he's really good buddies with Jose Ramirez of the uh, Cleveland Indians, and I think that might be one of the closest caps that I have, uh, body wise. And uh, again, uh, they're two buddies. I know our owner uh, Stu Sternberg said that he's kind of like a Ben Zobris type that that can be uh, such a game changer on your roster because he can hit uh, left handed and right handed, and and is such a you know again pretty clutch player. 
I think Ramirez is kind of the closest one right now that I have. He's still such a work in progress, though. I mean, uh, it, it's, it's really, I don't know if it's fair, because I was saying this the other day on the broadcast, that even last year in the final month and a half of the season and then into the playoffs, if the game was on the line, the guy that I wanted at the plate was Wander Franco, and he was 20 years old. And then yesterday was the same situation. I thought, all right, he's got he's our best shot at getting this game tied in the, the 10th inning. And sure enough, he did just that and then scored the winning run later. And we talked to Matt Quattaro, our bench coach, about that. And, and I said, I, I think it's kind of unfair that I'm putting this pressure on the kid, or at least on the broadcast. And he said, you know what, he's that good. And, you know, right now his right-hand swing is advanced. And it's uh, better than his left-handed swing, but his left-handed swing is starting to come around. And uh, I go back to about six years ago. Bill Evers was our uh, was one of our minor league instructors at the time, a longtime coach and manager of the minors, coached the big leagues for a few years. A man of very minimal hyperbole. I mean, I, I think I saw him smile, like chuckle. I he smiled sometimes, but I think he chuckled twice while I was uh, around Bill Evers. And we were walking in one day, and I'm, I'm, he had seen this Wander Franco kid play for the first time. And I said, so what's the story about this Wander Franco guy? And he looked at me, and he stops, stares me down, and says, best basketball skills I have ever seen. And this guy played, this guy managed Derek Jeter and a bunch of Yankees going on to play in the World Series teams. And I, and I went, what? And he stopped again, and he looked, best basketball skills. I have ever seen. I mean, you guys have seen him swing and miss a couple of times in this series, which is kind of new, uh, newsworthy. Uh, he's got a chance to be a real, real special player. And, and I just feel uh, very fortunate that I've got a really, really good seat to watch it happen here over the next few years. What it mean for the organization for him to sign that 11-year, $182 million contract? Uh, it, it means a lot. I mean, it, you know, it's it, it's one of those things that you know shows our fans that uh, we're committed to win. Uh, when you've got a once-in-a-lifetime talent like a Wander Franco, and you come uh, to the table and, and spend that kind of money, and you, you spent a lot of money on him just to sign him when he was 16 years old, uh, that shows uh, the the faith that you have in this kid, the drive that that kid has to become one of the best players in the game. And, and then, like I said, I think it's, there's some messaging to our fans that uh, we're in it to win it, and we're committed. And so, hopefully, the fans. I know our season ticket numbers went up a little bit this year. Our corporate sponsor numbers have ticked up a bit after the last couple of years with COVID and the like. Um, I'm not sure where we're at as far as attendance is going to be by the time this is all said and done. And obviously, when it comes to the Rays and A's, it's all about building a ballpark somewhere and trying to add some revenue streams. But uh, I thought it was, you know, big of the Rays to do what they did. And then, like everything else, guys, it, it, it takes it takes two to tango. I mean, you know, we could say all we want about a guy. Uh, wanting to sign him to an extension, but the, the player and his agent have to agree. And thankfully, uh, Wander Franco and his people decided, you know what, this is where they want to be uh, for the next 10, 11, 12 years. Dave, I just hope you and I are not retired by the time these ballparks finally show up. I, I want to call at least a couple years in a brand-new booth. I mean, I like our booth. They, 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 they remodeled it a few years ago. They keep it clean. But I'm, I'm, I really do want to see a shiny new ballpark in both Bay Areas by the time – uh, before, you're right, before I decide to just uh, watch and listen to baseball uh, for the rest of my life. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping we both get it done for the sakes of both our franchises, the people that work for these teams, and the fans who root for the teams for sure. 
Well, I've told you this before. You know, we're Rays fans out here. Obviously, all of you guys treat us so well here on A's Cast Live, so we love to tune in and listen to your games. And obviously, the connection between the A's and the Rays, we have the a lot of the same issues. So we're always rooting for you in that big, bad E's. So good luck, and let's talk soon. Same to you guys. Hey, thank you so much. And look forward, maybe I'll see you in a couple of weeks when we're out there in Oakland. You're traveling, right? We are. Oh, as we, of right now, gotta have <laughs> we we got we gotta have you on the field when you get out here. I'll be there. I'll be there for sure. Thanks. All right, buddy. Take care. We'll see you later. You too. Dave Wills of the Tampa Bay Rays. All the, all the Rays guys. They're all solid, solid guys. Uh, Brian Anderson, World Series champion. Dwayne yep. Stats, the play-by-play voice of the Rays on television. The face. Of Rays Television and the face of A's, or the face of Rays Radio, Dave Wills. The face of, of A's, Rays, from Rays Radio. radio. <laughs> you could, you just could call him the voice. Yeah, he is the voice. He's the face too of radio. They're not streaming. They're just radio. They're just radio. They're terrestrial down there, and WDAE, I believe, is their flagship there in Tampa. Not that I know what station that is, but is it in Tampa? See, the thing is, in ta- the station is in Tampa. It I know is that. in Tampa. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to explain, folks. Tampa and St. Petersburg, they're called the Tampa Bay Rays. Probably, I I would bet, what would you think the percentage of baseball fans not in Florida, if you asked where the Tampa Bay Rays play, would actually know the answer? Oh, not many. You talking about like the city or or the field or both? I wasn't even going the name of the stadium, <laughs> even though it's been the same name forever, Is Tropicana. It, has it been the same name since they started? Well, Let's, they they had a Final Four there. Do you know that? Uh, no, I didn't. Yeah, years and years ago, they had a Final Four at this building when it was relatively new. I believe it's always been Tropicana. It opened in 1990. It's the street, right? Isn't it the yeah. street? Opened in 1990. So the, I think it's been the same name. What year was the Final Four? It was in the it was in the 90s. Uh, Final Footsie. We're giving you some good Tropicana knowledge here. 1999 NCAA Division One Men's Tournament. There you that, go. That would that would have been right before. Oh no, that would have been. This would have been year two of the Rays in Tampa. The Tampa Bay Devil Rays back then. They that, did have some sweet uniforms. That would be your Wade Boggs, Jose Canseco, Fred McGriff. There's Tampa Bay, Vinny Castilla. Managed by who? Whew. Oh, Lou Pinella? Uh, someone before Lou Pinella. Um, I'll give you a clue. He's a legendary pitching coach. Larry Rothschild? Larry Rothschild. <laughs> What's the manager? Are you sure by that? Let's see. I'm pretty sure. Larry- I want to know who won the final four that year in 99. Uh, well, let's- I'm going to say, hold on, wait a minute. 99. I'm just going gonna, gonna to go out on a big limb here. You ready? You ready? Sure. Let's go. Duke. They were in it, but they didn't win. They were in that final four? They were, yeah. they were in No, they final. were in the national title game. Oh, they were in the game. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Wasn't a hard guess. F- final four. Ohio State, the Ohio State. The Ohio State. Michigan State, Duke, ah. and the national champion Connecticut Huskies with Yukon. Jim Calhoun. Jim Calhoun. Ah, all right. Uh, let's see. Tampa Bay Devil Race, 1998, because that's what they were called then. They were managed. No, sorry. Their manager that year was Chuck. No, it was Larry Rothschild. He went 63 99. 
Look at that. It's great knowledge by me. The old devil rays. Let's, let's, look at, let's look at the roster real quick. We have a couple minutes. Well, first I just wanted to make the point of how many people even know they're in St. Petersburg, Florida? N- nobody. I mean, they're not. St. Petersburg is not Tampa Bay. They're two different cities. I mean, the whole thing is at least our issue. Oakland, we're in Oakland. It's not like we're in Oakland, but it's not like we're called the Oakland A's and we play in Livermore. Fair. We're the Oakland A's playing in Oakland prop. You like San Francisco playing in Santa Clara? The Niners? Yeah. It happens in that happens in the the That happens in Giants uh, and Jets playing in the Meadowlands. Well that the, <laughs> the Detroit Pistons for years played in Auburn, Auburn Hills. Hills. I mean, so it's not a rarity. I mean, the New York Jets, New York Giants playing New Jersey, not New York. Yeah. So that the, the uh, by the way, the Dallas Cowboys play in Arlington. Jerry's World. But yes, it's Arlington. Have the Dallas Cowboys this is poor knowledge by me. Have the Dallas Cowboys oh they played at the Cotton Bowl. Strike that question. I was going to say, have they ever played in Dallas? Because the stadium before this was in Arlington. But I think they play the Cotton Bowl, and that's in Dallas. But, yeah, so the Dallas Cowboys, truly one of the biggest franchises in American professional sports history, does not play in Dallas. They play in Arlington next to the Rangers. So teams not playing, having the name and not playing in that city is not odd in other places. Or I should say other sports, but baseball? The Angels, too, right? They're in Anaheim. But forever they were the California Angels, Angels where they could play anyway. The Golden State Warriors. But I'm just thinking baseball, who who was playing? Because the Rangers were the Texas Rangers. Yeah, so they could play anywhere. They could play anywhere. Florida was the Florida Marlins. Now they play Miami. I'm just saying, it's very it's what's going on having a team named this is the city and they don't play in that city is something very rare in baseball. Oh, do do we count the Angels as one of those? Now they're the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Well, yeah, now it's now it's a joke. Now it's because I'm a- trying to... An- Anaheim and Orange County are not Los Angeles and Los Angeles County. That's a joke. Yeah, so I'm trying to th- yeah, I think they might be. That's just Artie Moreno. Artie Moreno just that's awful. I'll give you a couple names on the 99, 98 Tampa Bay Devil Rays inaugural all season. All right, all right. Because we got about a minute here. Fred McGriff. The crime dog. Should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, White Sox bench coach Miguel Cairo. Hmm. Let's see. Kevin Stalker was a shortstop. Kevin Stalker. Former Philly. Center fielder, Quinton McCracken. Jesus. Right fielder, Nationals manager Dave Martinez. Wade Boggs was on the well, he was on the bench at 40 years old. Uh, Wade Boggs was 40 in 99? Yeah, he wasn't the starting third baseman for some reason. Bob Smith was. Uh, Randy Wynn of Giants pre- and post-game live. Santa Clara. Uh, let's see. Bubba Trammell. By the way, Santa Clara basketball player Randy Wynn. The starting pitching was literally nobody on there. The Wilson Alvarez, maybe. Uh, Esteban Yan, I remember him. Jim Mercer. You don't remember Dennis Springer, the knuckleballer? I know the name, but I don't remember watching him. That's, so that's who they had, and their coaching staff was led by Larry Rothschild. And uh, let's see, where's the rest? Where's his coaching staff? Frank Howard, okay. They had the great Jim Messier. Go back up. They had Jim yeah, Messier. Jim, yeah, Jim Messier, yeah. He's like, he was one of their uh, A's legend. Yeah, he's one of their relievers. Yeah. He went 7-2 that year, the 311. Hey, that's pretty good. 
Esteban Yan. They had all, dude, Roberto Hernandez. You remember Roberto Hernandez? There is really a certain area, a certain era of baseball that hits and then goes way back in time. You're just oblivious to. Well, well, yeah, well, yeah. I was born in 1988, so I'm not gonna remember guys that played in. A, well, I know the Big Red Machine, and I was only yeah, I know three those years guys, old. I mean, I know those guys too, but. I mean, the A's won in 72. I was born in 72. It's not like as I was watching A's baseball in 19. Am I supposed to remember uh, a guy that's like 40 years old? No, Wade Box is a different story. You remember Wade. Please tell him. Wilson Alvarez? You don't yes, remember I, him? Yes, I mentioned him already, yeah. But, but like some of the guys that are older, I'm like, am I supposed to remember this guy that's 40 years old that's playing on the Rays in their inaugural season as an expansion? How am I supposed to know that? No, but not random guys. But some of these guys are not random at all. Yeah, well – Little, Did you know Randy Wynn was a great Santa Clara I knew Bronco he went to, basketball I, player? I knew he went to Santa Clara and he played basketball. Played with what MVP? Uh, basketball? Steve Nash. Steve Nash. Uh, Kurt Rambis also went there too. Long time ago. But he's, yeah, Well, that's the only people I know that went there for basketball. Uh, I'll give you one read before we go out. Baseball is back in the start of the 2022 regular season. It's just around the corner. Pack the house. Join us at the Oakland Coliseum for the A's opening night when the green and gold take on... The Baltimore Orioles, Monday, April 18th. Fans also get a Let's Go Oakland rally towel presented by Kaiser Permanente on opening night. Get your tickets for Monday, April 18th, starting at just $15. Buy today at athletics.com. That's athletics.com. You know, let's 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 be honest here. I, I know you have said Baltimore, but they're an American League team. The, the Orioles opening up with the A's is not odd. Yeah. I'm, well, maybe it's because – why, why would that be odd? I think maybe it's because since the years I've been living here and the years I've worked for the team, I'm so used to us playing the Angels to start at home. God, I remember there's been a Yankees have started the year here. It's not odd to start with an American League team on opening day. It's just – it's Baltimore. I mean – I mean, weird would be if like it was like the Atlanta – well, I don't even want to – that's probably a bit bad. But, yeah, the Atlanta Braves. <laughs> well – the Florida, Mar- the Miami Marlins. That would be weird. So the Giants started what's in the NL team. Uh, I remember a couple years ago. The, the Milwaukee Gi- Brewers would yeah. be weird. The Giants started their season a couple years ago. I remember uh, at home against um, Seattle. Yeah, that's yeah, weird. That's, come on. Uh, the Orioles, I mean, the Orioles and the A's have a long history. The Oriole way is not anywhere near right now. You take the late 60s and the early 70s, how many times the A's and the Orioles locked horns? Yeah, I know. I know. Just like the this like uh, the Orioles that were good for years until not well not the last few years but uh, one I mean it would be weird to me if they opened up with the Colorado uh, Rockies yeah, I mean buddy <laughs> opening day it's Buddy Black and the Colorado Rockies hey Chris Bryant Chris Bryant comes Chris Bryant comes back to the Bay Area <laughs> Chris Bryant has an RBI he uh, has one I'll give you one right is one is one yeah I'll give you I'll give you a piece of breaking news that happened earlier. By the way, today. your first place, Colorado Rockies. Breaking news happened earlier today. Our guy Stephen Kwan finally struck out. He went zero for four today with an RBI, but he struck out for the first time this season. It's pretty pretty remarkable. So all right, well, that's all I got for today. He is a great story. We'll we'll be back on Friday with uh, hopefully Dan Schulman from from the Jays and Mark Kotze, who we're going to talk to earlier in the day. I already got confirmation on it. By the way, I want to applaud you today. What I, I do. want to applaud you for your professionalism. Everything went wrong <laughs> that possibly could have gone wrong today. For well, people behind the scenes you don't know, uh, 
Is your internet now working? It's out again now. <laughs> it's a ending. What the hell is it? What is it? That one port? I don't know. I'm going to switch the cable when we're done here and see if that helps. Internet's not working. iPads are not. I mean, no, we're so connected. We're still streaming. Literally nothing has worked today. Thank God for your a brand new iPad. Swear to God, brand new iPad used how many times? Uh, four. Four times <laughs> will not turn on. I mean, everything that you could think of <laughs> that would not go right today uh, has not. Is that Murphy's Law? Is that what that is? I don't know. I think, well, we're not science guys, but I was more of a, well, it's not, whatever. B- Bill Nye, the science guy? Yeah. Well, I'm out. You're done. You're done. <laughs> I'm done. I, I had enough for today. We'll be back on Friday. Day game tomorrow. You'll be back on Friday? Wait. Day, day game? Day game tomorrow. Or, oh, sorry. When I say day game, I mean like 10.05, get ready. Early game tomorrow. I'm already – I'm. you know what's crazy As I've just been back for a couple days and I'm already in the – I don't even know. Yeah, what time's the game tomorrow? 10.05, right? I have no – oh, that's – let's see. Where, where are you at on the scale? You're back in 20 – what are you looking at 2021 for? <laughs> We're back – so tomorrow – I'm on 10, at 9.10 tomorrow? 9.10 a.m. you're going to be on here in wow, 10 minutes. that's early. 9.10? Yeah. All right. Back in biz. We will be back here, and we just want to play commercials. Uh, play a couple here, yeah. Who are we going to have on the uh, pregame show, on you'll, the A's Total Access show? It'll be uh, You'll have Elvis Andrews, and Vince is going to have our good friend, Cashy, Kevin Cash. Kevin Cash, and I'm going to have Elvis? Yeah. All righty. Uh, we want to thank the great Dave Stewart. We want to thank Elvis Andrews, and we want to thank Dave Wills, play-by-play man, for the Tampa Bay Rays for all stopping by. A's Cast Live will be back Friday. I know you just said it, but what time? Two o'clock. We're only going to be on for an hour. What? Why? It's a three. It's a. It's a three. I think it's a three o five pregame start. You in know, Toronto. I need longer than that. I we'll need figure, longer than that. Yeah, we'll figure it out. All right. Back Friday at 3 o'clock. We'll see you in about eight minutes. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.